Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. Wow, God is good. You never know what God's going to do. I love Sunday nights in church because it's always fun and always full of anticipation. Who knows, next week it might be your turn, but God reaches out every day. This morning, for those who weren't here, I started a message on Jesus being the Prince of Peace. And in Romans 16.20, and I want to just uh, wrap up this message tonight because there's so much power in it. There's, we look at all the turmoil over in uh, um, Turkey, over in France, and all around the world. There's so much strife and pain, and, and peace is just stolen out of so many hearts. And everyone who watches on the news just gets in turmoil and overwhelmed. And I read this verse this week that really touched my heart. Romans 16, verse 20 says, everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you, but I want you to be wise about what is good and, and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Oh, what a powerful, powerful verse. It's an interesting verse because here we've got the God of peace, and when we think about peace, it's not about crushing things. It's about loving, and everyone's happy and safe and full of thanksgiving. But here we've got the God of peace through Jesus, crushes the schemes of the enemy. And that's what he did on the cross. And then every day, because he lives within us, we can also address and take down the schemes of the enemy over our lives. And we can do it on behalf of others. The message version says, Don't be gullible in regard to smooth-talking evil. Stay alert like this. And before you know it, the God of peace will come down on Satan with both feet, stamping him into the dirt. Enjoy the best of Jesus. I love that picture. Woo! Stamping on the devil and his lies and his schemes. So no matter what things come against you of temptation, of fear, of the past roaring its ugly head, or turmoil or torment, so many people's minds are tormented. And yet, Jesus has come to set the captives free. And I shared this morning, only in the kingdom of God is peace a military weapon. Wow. How does that work? Well, when you're at peace, there's no room for the enemy to be in control. But when we lose our peace, all of a sudden fear or worry or anxiety starts to rule our hearts and our minds. And I shared the uh, story about Jesus in the boat this morning with the 12 disciples and they're heading across the the late Sea of Galilee, next minute this huge storm, and Jesus is so at peace with God, and so at peace with God's purpose in his life, that he's sleeping in the boat. No seasickness, he's just sleeping and enjoying. Disciples are terrified. Jesus, aren't, aren't you ca- caring that we're going to drown? And so we see Jesus wakes up, so at peace with God, so at peace because the Father had shown him he was going to go across the other side of the lake and pray for the the guy that was demon-possessed, set him free, and he was going to preach the gospel to 10 cities all over his area. So Jesus knew he was going to make it to the other side. When you've got a purpose about the life, you don't live in fear that things are going to be cut short. We trust God. you just got to keep trusting God. And so Jesus had that peace in his heart, and he gets up and says to the storm, peace, be still, and all of a sudden everything becomes calm. And it says the other boats that were there, they also then were calm. So when you're at peace... Everyone else around you is influenced for peace, for the kingdom of God. And so we see that uh, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy 
in the Holy Spirit. And uh, the amplified version of Mark 4.39 says, And he got up and sternly rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still and muzzled. And the wind died down as if it had grown weary and there was at once a great calm or a perfect peacefulness had come over the sea. Wow. Have you ever had a situation where you're at turmoil, you're all upset or afraid, and all of a sudden God gives you a word of peace in your heart? All of a sudden things settle down inside you, and then you start to speak differently. You start to feel differently, and the atmosphere around you starts to change. That's why I love that song we sing, the atmosphere is changing now, because the Spirit of the Lord is here. Now we know God's everywhere, but when we're aware of Him, that's when we bring that awareness and it brings peace to uh, our situation around us. So we talked this morning about some of the robbers of peace. Sin is one of the first robbers of peace because sin separates us from God. In Isaiah 53, 5, but it says, But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. So when Jesus hung on that cross, he was taking our sin, our shame, his stripes for our healing. But it says that the punishment that brought us peace was on him. So whenever you're not at peace, if you start to focus in and talk to Jesus and say, God, bring your peace to me, he paid for it on the cross. So you don't have to repay for it again. He's already paid. He says, the punishment that brought me peace was upon Jesus Christ. So whenever you're not at peace and stress and strife is inside or around, you can ask Jesus, God, bring your peace in my heart because you've already paid for it on the cross. You don't have to pay for it again by all your good deeds. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. If you're not a follower of Jesus tonight, and maybe someone's invited you along, and you're on this journey of faith, I want to encourage you, follow him with all of your heart. Don't let it be a religious thing. Don't let it be a second-hand faith thing, as Troy shared around communion this morning. Let it be a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I was brought up in a Christian home, but I was the day I finished grade 12 at school when I was 17, that's the day I really opened my heart to Jesus and became a born-again follower of Jesus. I lived on second-hand faith up till that time, through my parents, through my brothers, through my cousins, and I enjoyed coming to church, I enjoyed doing, um, reading the Bible, I enjoyed doing that stuff, but I wasn't a real follower of Jesus, and I knew it on the inside. I had to move from being a second-hand follower to a first encounter follower of Jesus Christ. So tonight I encourage you to make sure that you are a first-hand follower of Jesus. And it says that when we come to Jesus, He will remove the sin and you will have access by faith into this place where we stand. So a robber of, of peace is sin. Let's do, deal with it. He's already provided. Secondly, it's unforgiveness. And this is a biggie. Hebrews 12, 14 says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone. Wow, God, do you have to put those big statements in the Bible? They're just too hard. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See through it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. 
unforgiveness will lead to bitterness and it will defile many people. You've only got to have one unforgiving person in a workplace. Mate, and they can destroy the whole atmosphere of that workplace. One person can be angry at the boss and offended, whether it's justified or not, and it can spread through the whole workplace or office or your classroom or a circle of friends. One person who lets unforgiveness grow can defile many. In a family or a household, you have one kid. Oh, I'm not going to forgive him. Your brother's ripped off your toys and you're not going to forgive him. It can lead to defilement and the whole household suffers because one person won't deal with their unforgiveness or bitterness. And what happens? Peace is robbed from everyone. It's a choice. And once again, Jesus, when he hung on the cross, said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they've done. Jesus said, as I've forgiven you, forgive others. And I encourage you, ask God to help you. It's a powerful way to release feelings that rob you of peace. The third robber of peace is fear. Fear can so steal peace in our hearts. And that's why many people today are so afraid of what's happening around the world. What's going to happen? Tomorrow you'll go to, to, to work or, or the circle of friends you're with. And so many people say, what's happening in our crazy world? People are just afraid. The Bible says in the last days, people will actually die from fear. They'll be so afraid that they'll have heart attacks and die. And that happens. When the Great Depression happened in 1929 and many people lost all their money overnight, it said many people died from heart attacks because they realized all their livelihood was gone when the stock market crashed. That was in 1929. And how many more times? And people can actually die from fear from heart attacks they're just so terrified or they'll do dumb stuff because they can't face the future and and sometimes take their own lives because of that fear john 14 27 says peace i leave with you my peace i give you i do not give to you as the world gives do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid wow so if jesus says don't be afraid it means there's a way to deal with the fear Come to him. He never asks us to do something that's impossible. God's not like that. Sometimes as parents, we, 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 we occasionally ask impossible things for our kids. You know, we get upset with them and say, don't speak for a week. You know, that's an impossible thing. You know? You're not allowed to go to this house for the next six months because you've been bad. I mean, they're impossible things. You can't just fulfill. But God's not, does he never asks us anything impossible. Sometimes they're challenging, but he'll always make a way. John 16, 33, I've told you these things, Jesus said, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. The message says, I've told you all this so that trusting me, you will be unshakable and be assured deeply at peace. In this godless world you will continue to experience difficulties, but take heart, I've conquered the world. Hallelujah. Wow, that's a great, great promise. Some of us need to get that on our screensaver. We need to get it in our office or our mirror where we spend time or do whatever. Some of the guys, it'll be at the fridge. Wherever you spend most of your time, get some of these verses up so that we can have peace as we face this crazy, challenging world we live in. Jesus has promised that he would have peace. Isaiah 26.3, I love this verse, and Mary Lynn used it this morning. You will keep in perfect and constant peace 
the one whose mind is steadfast. That is, committed and focused on you in both inclination and character because he trusts and takes refuge in you with hope and confident expectation. What a beautiful, beautiful verse. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are focused and stayed on you. As soon as you start to let your mind drift and start to get anxious and fearful about the future or about finances or about your health, all of a sudden you go down this terrible pathway. Fear is such a robber. You're expecting a friend to come over and they're an hour late. Now you've got a choice to pray for them, text them saying, you okay? Or you can let fear start to grip you. And if you let fear grip you, within half an hour and think, oh, I hope they're not sick. 45 minutes, I hope they haven't had a car accident. I hope they're not in hospital. And within an hour, you've let yourself have all your peace robbed and you're in this terrible, fearful place. You see how quickly fear can just rob your peace and steal that joy and freedom that's in our hearts. I know that's a bit exaggerated, but sometimes that's how it sneaks up on us. And fear is a terrible robber. I remember when I was a kid and... Uh, we lived on a farm and there were possums and all sorts of things around and you'd hear this strange noise at night. you think, what's that outside? And then you'd think, oh, that's probably just a possum. And we had possums that used to, we had glider possums that used to live in the, in the big trees besides. And then in the moonlight, they would see our roof and they would come and glide and slam into our roof thinking it was flat, but it was on a slope. So when they hit it, you'd hear this incredible bang in the middle of the night. And then, what on earth's that? You'd wake up with your heart racing and fear and thinking, who's trying to break in and steal from us? I remember a little kid, and I'd get up in the morning and say, Dad, what was that? He says, oh, that was just a possum land on the roof. I'm thinking, are you sure? It sounded much more than a possum. At night time, when it's dark, fear can so grip your heart and and your heart's beating and then you can't go to sleep for an hour thinking, what was that noise? It's just a little branch in the wind brushing against the gutter outside and you think someone's trying to attack you. And so fear can so rob us if we don't deal with it. Second Timothy 1.7 says, For God did not give you a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear. So it doesn't come from Jesus he has given us a spirit of power and of love and a sound judgment and personal discipline abilities that result in a calm well-balanced mind and self-control wow that's one of the first verses I learned because I was really afraid of uh, people and really shy and I had to get that in my heart that I didn't have to fear people God hasn't given me a spirit of fear if you're prone to fear, you need to get some verse in there and get some promises in there. God's perfect love drives out fear because fear will rob your peace. The fourth one is strife and conflict. When there's conflict and strife, guess what? Peace goes out the door. You can have a happy family day and some, one of the family members just causes strife. Starts yelling and arguing and all of a sudden everyone's lost their peace and you're all trying to sort it out and and then temp, you know, words are raised and tempers are raised and, and all of a sudden there's no peace anywhere. And then the neighbours get upset because you're upset and they're peaceful Saturday afternoon. And, and so when there's conflict and strife, peace is lost. 
James 3.16 says, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Did you hear that? Where there's strife and envying, it makes the door open for every other evil work to come. Wow. Wow. You, you hear the news stories or at the court cases where there was strife in a house and next minute someone strikes someone and then they're in hospital with a one punch and fighting to, for their life. You think, what happened? What happened? Strife can lead to destruction and sadly, occasionally even death. Definitely no peace. James 3.17 says, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Oh, I love that verse. Peacemakers who sow in peace. If you're a peacemaker, and there's a difference between a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. We shared that this morning. Peacekeepers avoid issues and just keep everything calm on the surface, but underneath everyone's in turmoil. Say, why doesn't someone deal with the real issues? Peacemakers have the courage and the love and the wisdom to address issues, try and find solutions, get people sorting out their conflicts, and so that then everyone can move into a place of peace and rest. And I used to be a peacekeeper when I was young. God taught me to be a peacemaker, to learn, to have the courage, to ask the questions, what's really going on here? Who started this? Who keeps fueling it? What attitudes are behind this so that we can deal with stuff? And uh, some of the school teachers here, you know, if one kid shows up tomorrow with this a terrible attitude of strife, in 10 minutes the whole classroom can be in uproar if you don't find a way to deal with that, to become a peacemaker, not just a peacekeeper. And God wants us, because it says, if you're a peacemaker, maker you will have great blessing over your life very powerful so they say, oh, i want to go and conquer the world well sometimes the conquering the world starts by conquering your own attitudes and finding a way to find peace with your friends and family because if you can sort that out then he will trust you to be a conqueror to break through the strongholds of darkness often he teaches us to become peacemakers and ones who deal with issues in our souls and those close to us and then we will become someone God trusts to help rescue many other people's lives. It's so exciting to be, go on a mission trip and rescue lots of people but he says, I'm going to teach you how to do it in your heart and soul and in your household. If you do that, it says you will reap a harvest of righteousness. The message says... James 3, 7, real wisdom, God's wisdom begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. It is gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings, not hot one day and cold the next, not two-faced. As they said in the old Western movies, he speak with forked tongue. In other words, saying one thing and doing another. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoy its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. It's amazing. God often will put a friend or a family member close to you that stirs you up. 
They just rile you and rattle you. Why are they there? Sometimes because God wants to teach us what it means to be a peacemaker and one who gets honest with our hearts and sorts a way out to deal with that. Romans 12, 16 says, Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but we're willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Wow, what a great goal. Not trying to get even, not trying to have all the answers, but it's to live at peace with one another. Because when you live at peace with one another, the Bible says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy and the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, His kingdom gets revealed and people want to know, how can you be at peace when everyone else in this office is in turmoil? How can you be at peace when everyone else is afraid or worried about this? It's a powerful spiritual weapon carrying the peace of Jesus Christ. Psalm 34, 14 says, Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Wow. Seek peace and pursue it. Man's efforts at peace aren't always very good. The United Nations was set up after World War II to be a group of nations that would keep peace on the earth. Wow. I'm not sure how well they've done. They go into some countries to try and be peacekeepers and, and there's turmoil goes on for decades. Man's efforts, at least they're honourable to try and bring peace. But the Bible says, seek peace and pursue it. And Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So the closer you get to Jesus, the more you're going to learn how to be a peacemaker. The more you're going to be at peace within your own soul. Because if you... If you aren't at peace with yourself, it's really hard to bring peace to others. Hurting people hurt people. Loving people love people. Wounded people wound people. But whole people bring wholeness to other people. And that's what Jesus come. The last one tonight I want to look at a peace robber is worry and anxiety. Uh-oh. Are you a warrior? God says, I want you to become a warrior, not a warrior. It's just one letter difference, but it's a big difference. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, this is one of those verses that is really challenging because it says, don't be anxious about anything. And you can say, Jesus, are you for real? I mean, anything? What are you, haven't you lived? The Apostle Paul's writing this. He's probably writing it from jail. He's probably chained up to some guards and getting probably one measly meal a day. And he's writing, don't be anxious about anything. Whoa, Paul. I better listen to you if that's where you're writing from. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends, that means goes beyond or above, all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Wow, now we can see why Paul wrote and says, don't let anxiety rule you. Don't let it control you. We all get anxious at times. You get in a car with someone who's not driving safe. Boy, you'll be anxious, eh? You're not sure where they got their license or if they have one. We all have times where we get anxious or afraid. Or we worry. The message version says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. 
I love that. So when you praise and worship God, what happens? The things you have burdened with start to become prayers for breakthrough. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Hallelujah. That is so awesome. It's amazing what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Just take a quick inventory. What are the things that cause you to get anxious and worry the most? Is it about your kids? Is it about your work or your finances or your health or friendships? We all have some areas of weakness and the enemy loves to target our weaknesses. And we've got a few friends that love to stir us up and target our weaknesses as well because they love to see the reaction. But hey, we can bring them and turn them into places of prayer. The, the Amplified of verse 7 says, And the peace of God, that peace which reassures the heart, that peace which transcends all understanding, that peace which stands guard over your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus is yours. Oh, what a beautiful, beautiful gift. If you wrestle with worry, anxiety, I encourage you to get these verses out of Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, and verse 8, talks about whatever things are good and wholesome, think on them. You need to memorize them, pray over them. Say, God, teach me this until I remove worry and anxiety from the center of my being so that I have a place of peace and rest and trust. It's important to be responsible and have certain healthy concerns. But if you don't eat any food for a long time, you're going to have some health issues. So that's good. If you're a parent to get the kids to eat food, there are healthy things. You don't do repairs in your car, you're in serious risk of having an accident. There are healthy concerns that is being responsible. But this is stuff that's robbing your peace and draining you from the purpose in life. Worry is like negative faith. You dwell on and believe for the worst thing to happen instead of the best. Wow, what a robber. What a robber from our lives. It's like the reverse of faith. Because faith is about focusing on Jesus and his promises and believing for the best to happen. Worry and anxiety is dwelling on the worst and afraid and anxious and worrying that it might happen. Wow, what a crazy twist. But that's what the enemy has done in our lives. But boy, how awesome is it when we come and praise him with thanksgiving. That's why we love to sing and worship God. We had some people come to our church every day and then they visit and say, Wow, why do you guys sing so much? And why do you sing the songs more than once? I said, well, we just realize we're humans and we need a few times before it really gets inside of us. <laughs> you sing it once, you just go over it. That's why it's good to read the Bible and go over it every day to memorize some scriptures. The Transformation guys were sharing, Bradley was sharing his story yesterday at the uh, men's breakfast. Well done, Brad. That was awesome, your story. Yeah, very powerful. And he was sharing about some of the things they got to do in the course and one of the things is they got to memorize big long passages of scripture not just read them they got to actually memorize them and be able to quote them back word for word because they've realized that it's the word of god that changes and transforms our mind and our thinking and i started to do that i was wrestling with some stuff when i was about 19 and the lord spoke to me one day 
I was in Sydney on holidays and the Lord stirred my heart and said, if you want to get on top of some of these worries and fears and issues in your life, you need to start memorizing scriptures. I've been challenged about before, so I don't recommend this. But what I did, I drove all the way from Sydney back to Brisbane where I had a Bible beside me and every moment I would, I would read a verse. I'd, when I'd stop at a service station, I'd read a few verses and I'd go over and I'd, I learned about 20 verses all the way from Sydney back to the Sunshine Coast. And when I got home, I started to write out, this before computers, I started to write out little memory cards and I wrote out hundreds of them and in the next two or three years, I learned hundreds and hundreds of scriptures. I learned whole chapters of the Bible I learned 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, 15, every verse in those chapters. I learned about 25 Psalms off. And, and in that process, the Word of God started to change me from the inside out. Marilyn calls me the walking concordance because she said, where's that verse? It just comes like that. And I thought, not, not to be proud, but I realized I needed that in my life to help deal with the things I was wrestling with. And I commend it transformations men and women because you get that in your heart that's one of the reasons why you guys change so quickly because you get that in your spirit and your soul because it will it will get you focused on God and his word and it will take you off fear and anxiety and you'll start to come into freedom a couple more verses and we'll wrap it up tonight Proverbs twelve twenty five says anxiety is a, in a man's heart weighs it down but a good encouraging word makes it glad we all have times where there's bad news and stress and strife come. But don't stay down there for too long. We're humans. God knows that. And stuff gets on top of us or sneaks under our guard sometimes. But don't let it dwell there for too long. Get the peace back. And 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7 says, Therefore humbly humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Set aside self-righteous pride so that he may exalt you to a place of honor in his service at the appropriate time. Casting all your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him. For he cares about you with deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. Just leave that verse up there for a moment because... This is the crux of what we're saying tonight. This is a great robber of peace. Casting, it's actually a fishing term. Peter knows all about this. When you cast a net, you've got to hold it properly and cast it out there. First time or two I cast a net, I didn't know how to do it, so I just sort of threw it. It just dropped down in front of me and didn't catch anything that way. You've actually got to step back and be confident and throw it. Throw it out there in the proper motion and let it glide out and then land in the water and drop down. And then you'll catch some things. When we're resting with fear or anxiety, we sort of say a quick prayer. Say, God, I hate this feeling. Please take it away. Hey, that's not casting. That's just a little plea for help. You've got to cast that thing out off of your soul and say, Jesus, bring your peace back into my heart. Tonight, some of you need to learn to cast, to throw it out, to throw it off of your mind and heart. You say, well, I've done that before. Well, the Bible indicates keep on doing it, throwing it, learning to be skillful at doing it more and more until it gets to the place where it doesn't hold you or control you anymore. It will still come knocking back on the door. 
And you can say, wrong address, devil. I've moved. I used to live in Worry Way. I used to live in Anxiety Avenue. But now I live on Freedom Freeway. I live in Peaceful Parade. I live in a place where I have peace and freedom in my heart. God says, cast off all your anxieties and he will bring his peace into our hearts. Number 624 is a beautiful blessing that we pray and you hear it sometimes at the end of services or at special events. The Lord bless you and keep you The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. I think it's the Anglican church I've been to sometimes. And they, in the middle of their service, they take a moment where they say, go and give each other the peace of God. And the first time I went there, I didn't know what they meant. I'm I'm thinking, what's going on here? I'm sure it's the Anglicans do that, isn't it? And Catholics do it as well. They actually encourage you to go and give the peace. To share the peace of Jesus with one another. We don't do that in our services. Maybe it's something we need to learn to do in our relationships. Where we are aware. Because many of the letters in the Bible, they finish or start with God's grace and peace be multiplied to you. May the peace of God be with you. I think it's a very powerful thought, isn't it? To release peace over one another's lives. Lord, I speak peace over you. I pray blessing and peace over you today. For this week, I release God's peace over your life. Well, what a beautiful thought. What a beautiful truth. Let's stand in his presence tonight. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Wow. Maybe tonight one of those five robbers, and there's others, but they're just the five I spoke about last this morning and tonight. Sin, unforgiveness, fear, strife and conflict, or worry and anxiety. Have one or more of those things just regularly stealing your peace? It's time to put the crim safe doors on and kick those robbers out. Let's get the word of God on the front door of our minds and hearts. Get the crim safe door. Don't have the cheap imitation ones that they can kick in. Let's get the word of God. It says that the Prince of Peace will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3.15 says, Peace of God is the umpire for our souls. Wow. Let's take a moment to cast our cares upon the Lord. Just close your eyes for a moment and let's, let's just let's do a bit of fishing right now. I want you maybe to reach your hands out in front of you as if you're just releasing something. There's some of you need to get more physical and, and, and actually throw it away from you. Make sure you don't hit the person in the face beside you. But sometimes we've got to get a bit more, a bit more radical about our stuff, you know. What, what robs your peace? 
on an average, on a normal week, what steals your peace? Is it strife and conflict in your household? Is it unforgiveness in your workplace? Is it fear or worry and anxiety? Or maybe it's sin. It's, it's unresolved stuff between you and God that it's time to deal with. Because that just robs you right now. Why don't you just do some business with God and say, Jesus, Jesus, forgive me. I choose to forgive that person. Lord, those worries that just rob me, Lord, I give it to you now, right now, in Jesus' name. When I think about my health or when I think about my weight, when I think about the pressures of the future, when I'm scared that someone might discover about my past, Lord, I give all of those to you right now. Lord, I surrender them under the blood of Jesus right now. Thank you, thank you, Jesus, right now for your freedom, your peace. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Right now as we're praying, maybe you're in this place and you've never really opened your heart to Jesus. You know that you know about you. You might be like me, brought up in a church and have never really opened your heart to Jesus. I knew I needed to do that. And I put my hand up at a youth rally and I walked down the front of that meeting and I made a surrender and a response to Jesus and that began to change my life. Maybe you've been away from God and it's time to come back where you need to surrender and say, Jesus, be Lord of my life. There's some people here tonight that maybe you're in a crisis situation. Don't blame God on others. Maybe it's a time because you're at the end of yourself where you can say, Jesus, I invite you to be Lord of my life. If that's you tonight, I invite you, just where you are, lift your hand and say, please pray for me, Pastor Ross. I want to get right with God or I want to come back to him. Who's that today? God bless you. God bless you. Who else saying, that's me? I've realized I've tried to sort out my own. Yeah, God bless you. But you realize tonight it's time to surrender and make room for Jesus in your life. Who else tonight? Down the back, over the sides. You're never too young or too old to let Jesus come and be Lord of your life. Who else tonight saying, that's me? I need to make my peace. I need to get right with Jesus. I really want to do this with all of your heart. We're going to sing this song right now. If you put your hand up or you would have liked to have, we want to pray for you and meet you at the front here. We're not going to embarrass you, but I want to pray with you and make sure that you understand what it means to really meet this amazing Jesus. Maybe you've never done this before. Maybe you have in the past. But why don't you just come and join us right here now. As we... Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. 